Welcome to the Meltzone Podcast. This is episode 39 from October 5th, 2020. I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. And I'm Gina. And today we are three Germans making an English podcast. Uh, besides Gina and her Octoprint project, which we are a little bit going to talk about, we'll also uh, just have a short conversation about Formnext finally being canceled and now being an online event and what other online events like the virtual Rep Rep Festival coming weekend might look like. And also um, something changed with Fusion 360. So the personal license will now include step export and it won't be left out with the new license changes. And obviously, since we have Gina on the on the show, on the podcast today, we also talk about Octoprint. How do you manage an open source project? How do you find funding for it? Um, how do you manage your personal interests in what the program should do and what the community wants? And how do you balance your life and work as a self-employed person? All that and more in this episode. And yeah, today we're, we're not just two, we're three. Uh, we've got Stefan, we've got myself, and we have Gina Heuske. Is it, is it, first of all, is it, is it Gina or is it Gina? It's Gina. It's Gina, okay. So for, for those two and a half people that don't know who you are, can you just give us a quick, like, two-minute rundown of, of what's up with you? <laughs> Well, it's probably I'm probably best known for being the main developer and also creator of Octoprint, which maybe you might have heard of. Um, yeah, I'm also a, like a total nerd and uh, a hobby baker. So yeah, I think that sums it up fairly nicely. <laughs> hobby baker, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I just actually pulled out another bread yesterday out of my oven. So, And I have to add, this is not a pandemic thing. I did this okay. way before everyone else started doing it at the start of lockdown. So so it's a really nice sourdough bread with uh, just having having this piece of, I don't know, big mountain of bacteria that is always growing in your kitchen. Uh, I do have a sourdough culture, but that one actually was a yeast-based bread with a bit of uh, yogurt put into it for some ex extra soreness so cool there is there is there there are multiple ways to make really great bread even without sourdough you just have to get a bit creative and try out new recipes so well cooking is also making so uh, kind of nicely fits fits together exactly yeah. yeah and for for those in the u.s watching like your bread is not what we call bread um bread just look, look up pictures of really nice crusty you know steamy bread that's what we call bread because if you're in the states you get like this this soft fluffy over processed sweetened uh, brioche white. yes white yeah. yeah that's not bread no that's toast <laughs> maybe but not bread yeah And, you know, since we've already started defending the, the Americans, I guess that's a perfect, perfect time to, to, to move on. Um, right. Um, let's I, I think let's just do a, a couple couple of news, a couple of follow ups of um, what we were talking about the last couple of times. Um, I think the, the first one is Formnext. And, and Gina, for you, Formnext has been a, a bit of a, a home run where what's what's it called? Hamspiel. Um, yep. Are you sad that it's going to be yeah that it's going to be a an online only event this year? 
not really, I gotta admit, because from next for me was more like, so far it was a very, very prosumer oriented event. Uh, it was only last year that I actually managed, oh no, the year before I also ran into, uh, into Stefan, but uh, <laughs> apart from that, the past couple of years, it was always just like big corporations, not really a lot of maker stuff that I'm interested in. The one or other Octoprint interface looking at me, but the people not recognizing me at all. Um, <laughs> and, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm actually I, I actually am more sad about Congress being a virtual event this year, so Chaos Communication Congress, <laughs> even though it's an, a completely understandable and sensible decision, um, and of course also all the all the maker centric stuff that was moved online. So mm. on the coming weekend we are looking at uh, Verf, which I'm also partaking in. Um, so yeah. I'm more sad about these things. From next, yeah, well, I mean, it's like 20 minutes for me by train from home. So that's like, if I can, yeah. if I if I have the chance, then I go for a day just to, to take a look and, and meet people. But uh, yeah, I prefer the more maker-friendly, more, uh, more homey kind of events over mm -hmm. this huge corporate stuff. I, I actually haven't really informed myself, but how does a virtual expo actually look like? So how, I don't know, Forum Next is going to be a, a virtual event. All of the other big um, expos are also going to be kind of virtual, but but how does that actually look like? Is there like a, a virtual lobby where you can just click on specific uh, exhibitors and then, I don't know, just take a look what they have? Can you inter interact with them? How does how does Verf actually work? Uh, so Verf will have an exhibitor video stream where you can schedule some time and then present your stuff and interact with people via the Discord server that they created for the event specifically. And that's also where I will have a small seven-minute talk slot. Um, I don't know how Form Next does it uh, as far as I... Uh, no Gamescom, for example, who also went uh, went all virtual this year, did it with some, yeah, moderated video program broadcast stuff and, mm. and did it like that. So, yeah, I guess it's not really the same, but things being as they are, we have to make do with what we have, I guess. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the the big part. Or the the big advantage of having a show in a physical space is you can just walk through the through the hall and just you know take a look left and right and just see what's on there. And with just a curated video stream, just a single stream where everyone everyone gets like a five or ten minute slot, I think you you kind of lose that because you actually have to stick through the entire stream. Mm -hmm. um, there are solutions that I've seen where it's more like the the booth experience where you have um, basically an overview of all the exhibitors. And then you can join a private uh, room or first, I think, a, a semi-public room where everyone can join and basically you're walking up to the booth. And then you can um, break out into, into different rooms with just the exhibitor and you, if you want to make business deals or whatever. I think that that could work. But uh, yeah, it, we, we're not set up for this yet. Those, those technical solutions aren't there and, and polished yet, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really going to be interesting, um, especially since... I don't know. It's it's just something totally different than just browsing around. But um, I don't know how how can I actually join uh, Verve next weekend? How much are tickets? Uh, are free. Tickets? Oh, free. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, 
Yeah, the, the thing is, I don't actually know if you need the tickets, but um, uh, they, they set up an Eventbrite. I think it was an Eventbrite or something. And uh, yeah, they also published the schedule now. And I'm not yet sure if they have published the the uh, yeah the links to the video uh, rooms yet. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there is stuff going on. And I also still need to retweet some of that. I haven't gotten around to it yet on the Octoprint account Uh I think most people don't even know that I'll be there unless they have taken a look at the overview already and seen my name pop up there. But yeah, <laughs> it's so much going on right now all the time. Yeah, sure. Sure. feels like it. Yeah. Time is time is rushing by. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wasn't it just, I don't know, May yesterday and yeah. now we have October and I have no idea where all the time went. Yeah. But so you were also not really well. You didn't get bored during the lockdown and all of that stuff happening. Was it actually really the way around that you had more? It was work? completely the opposite. So every time that during the the, the peak times in in Germany with lockdown, uh, where I, I I constantly saw tweets scroll past me like going like now that you have so much time, why not pick up a new skill? <laughs> and I every day every day that every uh, yeah. Every every day seeing that, I got more and more irritated at that because my work was exploding at the time. Everyone has was having time to spend with their 3D printers, was having time to diagnose problems with their 3D printers, was having time to write support uh, topics on the community forums or to uh, join the Octoprint Discord server and ask stuff there. Everyone was printing PPE. So, yeah, I... <laughs> It was an absolute, April and May was was absolute nuts. So nuts, in fact, that I had to just stop at some point and say, okay, I cannot keep up with this. I cannot stay in crunch time for the whole pandemic. So I just have to dial it down to sustainable levels again, because I was pulling like 10 hour days every day and, and the weekends as well and such. And yeah. We we were seeing pretty much the same thing on on YouTube as well. I mean, a view doesn't create extra work for us, but I think um, the, the there are official YouTube numbers for this. I think um, where it was, I think two and a half times uh, the regular amount of views that you got during the first you know couple of weeks or, or months of lockdown. So just by by keeping uploading the same stuff, people were just watching more YouTube and were watching our stuff as well, which is 3D printing. Mm. And and I guess that's where, you know, where where you see the interest coming up. Yeah, yeah. But I also saw I I have this anonymous usage tracking uh, plugin in Octoprint, which is opt-in. But at least since ever since I put this in, I now get some usage numbers because before that I was flying completely blind. And uh, looking at the total numbers of um, yeah unique instances per 30-day window, per 60-day window, um, before lockdown, that was like 60,000, 70,000. And with lockdown, it started to hover around 100,000. So that was like, okay, cool. Um, yeah, obviously, lots of people are using it for, for PPE and mm. not just using 3D printers, but Octoprint specifically to manage their, their print farms. Yeah. But so, but this is actually something that's still continuing, or do you see that at least the print hours drop off again with people? Well, at least here in Germany, not not printing that much PPE anymore. Uh, the print hours have dropped down again. The users haven't, so they are apparently here to stay. Which, on the one hand, is great, but on the other hand, I mean, it's still mostly done only by me, and I'm only one person. So yeah, I only scale so much. <laughs> 
But <laughs> okay, I, I think this is a perfect time to, to move to the next topic. Aren't you glad that you have so many beta testers um, just trying out your software um, for free? And just verifying that everything works because that was one of the arguments that was brought up with fusion 360 when they decided to uh you know clamp down on the features that the free version was getting people were saying oh we we've spent so many hundreds of hours beta testing the software for autodesk and now they're taking it away from us uh they the, they shouldn't they they should just be glad that they had the users uh is that something that that you're you're also seeing in octoprint are you are you very thankful for the free testing First of all, no. <laughs> so I, I, I take offense to this whole phrasing um, or this whole, this whole angle. So um, from my personal point of view, uh, I mean, I'm obviously glad that I can help people with what I do. But that doesn't mean that I have to be grateful for them using my stuff that I give them for free. And the same holds, in my opinion, true to, for, for the whole Fusion 360 debacle. I, I saw so many people completely set uh, upset about that like oh no how can they do that and and those evil people and how dare they try to make a profit off of the product that they develop there and i mean i get it i wasn't happy to yeah to about these these limitations either but then again it's their product they can do with it whatever they want and it's if if i get something for free i am in absolutely no position at all to demand anything about that and this is also something that a lot of people do not get about octoprint i had some people come in and 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 write feature requests and like threatening threatening to leave if i do not implement something like yesterday and i'm like um how is this a threat yeah how is supposed to make me do anything if you ask nicely i'm always happy to accommodate however i can but if you behave like a you know what then well, good luck with that. And yeah, personally, I I just see the whole Fusion 360 thing as a chance to finally get off my own butt and try new stuff that I so far, yeah, did not have the motivation to work myself into because Fusion was there and I knew how to use it and everything was fine with that and it could do everything that I wanted and needed it to and so why switch and now I was just like no step export anymore. I know they rolled back on that but um, at the beginning they uh, still had this on the agenda and I was like perfect. Finally a good external motivation to try something yeah. else yeah, and just to cover and that, you... just to cover that that Sorry. news topic real quick just to, so we get that bullet point off the list uh step export is staying in fusion 360 after backlash from the community um yes okay stefan go ahead so you actually are in the process of changing to free cad or yes. are actually trying out free uh, free cad and and trying it out what what's your experience with it i have never tried it out so far i actually just only work with professional cat software how does it compare it's obviously not as polished i mean you have to look at it um it's it's primarily done as far as i understood by three developers um so similar situation to my own actually and they are doing their best and they are pretty much also doing it uh, still as a side project so not as their main job because uh, the donations that they get for this project do not scale to a level yet where they can afford even one um, full-time developer let alone three 
Um, that being said, I was really surprised how uh, yeah, how far it has come. Because the last time I tried it, it was just before I came across Fusion 360 back in... Oh, that must have been 2016, I think. And uh, back then I, I had... Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it was a horrible experience, but it was a bit of a buggy one because the thing was constantly crashing and, um, yeah, like uh, trying to do a fillet and boom, the whole workbench was gone and uh, be happy if you saved. Uh, um, uh, and now it's, yeah, after fiddling a bit around with, with UI mods that are happily available and readily available in the community and perfectly well maintained and uh, working myself through a bunch of tutorials, I would say I'm almost up at the old speed of, uh, of, of or my old speed of Fusion 360 after less than a week. Okay. Yeah. Less than a week of after our fiddling. So it's not like I sat okay. down during my whole work day and worked with that, but... <laughs> I just did some some cut uh, um, practice pieces, and yeah, it still has some issues with filleting. So um, that is something where I would definitely say it it has a huge room of improvement, but it's also known issues. So they they have these endless threads about that on their forums. Um, but for the stuff that I use it for, which is primarily designing some tools or 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 or, or whatnot around the house uh, for 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 3D printing, after for me it completely suffices, and I would consider myself now switched over. Okay. Um, I still have a Fusion 360 uh, uh, personal license, and I'm not going to delete my account because I figure if I run into some problem and I immediately need a solution and I know how to do it in that, that I can still fire it up and just solve the problem now and worry about how to do it in FreeCAD later. But yeah, all in all, I, I'm really happy. And I think, yeah, the more people who give this a chance now and also contribute both in code and financially... Uh, the the better chance this tool has to become a re really full fledged uh, competitor, um, or or rather a full fledged alternative. I mean, look at what happened to Blender, for example. Yeah. That also is an open source project, and it's like majorly polished. Yeah, and and that is actually the the thing that I wrote down before we started recording here. Um, like we we know FreeCAD isn't. Or it, first of all, it doesn't do everything that that's something like Fusion 360 does um, as of today, and it's also not as polished. Like the interface isn't all that great, and I'm I'm reading about issues with the feature history. If you edit stuff um, earlier on, and then the features don't rebuild properly. Um, but all that aside, do you think that by adding money into the project, by by giving them more contributions, that FreeCAD has the chance to to get to a point um you know that it is generally competitive to fusion 360 in a way that blender is competitive or can it even do that without a full-time developer really committing 100 percent of their time into the project from my personal experience with octoprint i would say that just doing something like this as a side project does only scale so much. At some point, you need to uh, enable the developers to really concentrate fully on something because it's not just that you have less time. There is also this constant focus shift. When I was still doing Octoprint as a side project, it was 
all the day I was doing corporate development in the Java world. And then uh, at night I switched over into Python and JavaScript and trying to move this project forward while I was actually already drained from the day and, and, and not really able to focus anymore and all that. So being able to now concentrate fully on stuff and and worrying only about that and not having to have a whole other job on the side as well, that really, really helps. And I think if there was the amount of money for the FreeCut project that would enable them to do something like this, maybe even hire more people and also get more code comp contributions in the process and designers and all that, because, yeah, the, the usual problem that you also have with open source software is it's it's operated by software engineers, like, hello, I'm a software engineer. I have no idea about UI design. The only thing that I've ever learned about that is basically self-taught by using stuff and learning what works and what doesn't. And I'm trying to make the best that I can with this kind of knowledge. But obviously, someone who learned human computer interaction interaction design is way better at that than me. We're just, so, just, just the difference between uh, a user who actually spends their day working with the software, um, as in, you know, some engineer, somebody who's, who does um, the actual drawings in a tool like FreeCAD versus somebody who programs the tool. They're obviously going to spend different amounts of time using or programming like if you're using you're not going to spend that much time programming it and if you're a programmer you're not going to spend that much time using it so your yeah. idea of how the program should look like might be way different from the idea that somebody who spends many more hours in the software maybe yeah, yeah you also as a, as a developer you also get this kind of tunnel view because you know your software right you know mm. what button to press and you know what works and what doesn't and in what what order you have to do certain things and it's totally natural and intuitive to you. But yeah, someone who uses your software for the very first time might just sit in front of it and be like, uh, what, why, where, huh? And it's really hard for a developer to see these problem points because yeah, you're just so used to it. It's the same when I try to write end user facing documentation. I'm at a point where I'm yeah. saying, I, I would love to have something like that for Octoprint, but I'm not the person to do it because I have a way too technical view on everything. I I, I tried it a bunch of times, tried to write in, uh, at least something like a getting started guide. And I always lost myself in all the technical details and assumed stuff was known that probably isn't. And on the other hand, then left out stuff that or, or went into too much detail on stuff where the average person is like, I don't care about this, just tell me what button to press. And so, yeah. How are you doing that with, with Octoprint right now? Is that um, all community contributed uh, on a wiki format for documentation and all that? Uh, the documentation that currently exists on Octoprint, or at least on docs.octoprint.org, is primarily the technical developer documentation. And that is what, yeah, I have probably like 95% of so, or so of that uh, uh, I have written. Um, the guides that we collect uh, on the forums now, uh, a lot of those are community contributed. And of course, there's also various YouTube channels and other places all around the web um, where there is a ton of knowledge collected and I also try to get people to post these into the forum so that we have one space where you can find links at least or at, yeah at the minimum links pre uh, uh, preferably though the full content of uh, of guides and all that so that yeah it is discoverable and it is searchable and all that um, but yeah this is also a bit of a tricky thing to get people to do. Mm -hmm. 
what what importance do you actually see in this documentation um is this something you just think should be there just for completion or is this also something that is necessary for people really to get started in using octoprint which kind of documentation so the one the, that no, i write not, or the... <laughs> well not the one that you write but the one that is probably lacking at the moment the how yeah. to get started yeah well let me put it this way the, i i see the kind of questions that we get in the support section on the forums mm. and this is always yeah, on it. Not not always, but it's a lot of it is the same. The same kind mm -hmm. of problems that people run into, um, the same things, and a lot of that uh, I think is also covered by the FAQ. So the people who who search might find it in there, but still, I think if there was. I think if on docs.octoprint.org there was actually like a full user manual, mm. like with this button does this, this setting can achieve that and all that, that would help a lot of people who who now are completely blind. And I, I've had it so often that people request a feature that's already in there <laughs> because they just couldn't find it. And mm -hmm. yeah, so I, I realize oh, these things make me realize that there is a lack of good documentation still. But it also, yeah, it's a bit frustrating because I know I cannot contribute that stuff as much as I want to. And even if I found the time to do it, which I also don't see happening, to be honest. But yeah, I'm, I, I simply have the wrong viewpoint for that okay. to happen. Yeah, I'm, I, I keep seeing more and more parallels between the 3D printer community and, and world and the quadcopter and autonomous aerial vehicle community because it is it is very similar like it started out as a very open source very community focused um community um got eaten up by chinese companies who are now basically making all the parts um some software is going closed source like the um the bl heli the firmware that runs on escs on speed controllers that used mm -hmm. to be an open source project and now it's a paid closed source um, online only, basically, whenever you use the configurator, it checks uh, for the license on that one device that you could even use the configurator. Uh, mm. Yeah, uh, weird, but people people are, are accepting that. And yeah, there, there, there is still a, uh, a very community-driven spirit in the entire community. There's a lot of uh, YouTube documentation. There is good documentation on the firmware that runs on the actual flight controllers, so the brains of drones and stuff. Um, and yeah, that it that they're also trying to to figure out a way where it's um, where you can use user generated content in a wiki format, um, but also have some official de facto documentation from the developers um, that is going to be accurate. Um, because when the community produces something, obviously there might be issues, there might be inaccuracy, even inaccuracies, even just that mm -hmm. then lead to false assumptions. Um, yeah, that yeah. The, the entire quadcopter community is like five years ahead of of the three D printer community, I think, just in in how things are progressing and developing. It's 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 a really nice portal looking into what could be a future for for three D printing. Well, let's hope we don't get this lockdown pro proprietary closed source stuff then, because yeah, no, I don't want that. Well, probably one of the reasons was that some of the software that was developed wasn't really funded, and people was people were making that in their in their spare time, and at some point they decided that they had to go that way just to, I don't know, uh, keep buying bread. Um, yeah. 
and I hope that the funding for you and also for Marlin and and other software that is around stays more in the hands of maybe the community and, and people are saying, okay, I'm, I'm okay spending a couple of bucks every month to support the development in order that the software stays open. So ho hopefully it doesn't get into that direction and hopefully you, you still get, uh, well, you still have a lot of funding to do what you're doing. And um, yeah, we remain that way and maybe are at a better position of five years. Let's hope for the best. Uh, by the way, also what you know, what you mentioned, Tom, about uh, community contributed documentation, which you, yeah, oftentimes cannot or is not necessarily completely accurate. This is also a pain point that I have with Octoprint, because I, I have it so often now that users come into the forum and are like, I followed this and that tutorial on the internet, and now this and that is not working. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're using a tutorial that dates back four years. Stuff has changed since then. You're not supposed to do it like that anymore. And actually, the official way to do it is this, and it's even documented maybe, but yeah, it, I I have no idea yet how to solve this problem because how do I get people to not follow outdated information from someone and instead follow the official so stuff? You, you right? told me I should be updating my uh, my video or at least take. No, that you off. are actually not <laughs> even that bad of an offender. In not that even regard, that bad. Who? So <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, uh, I I think the the current video is still from 18, twenty. I think. 18? At least. Okay, in that 20, 26, six, I think 16, because I think my second video that I made on my channel was also involving I've, Octoprint, I've updated that and video. yours was even... Ah, so I've, I've, I've done okay. an old one, then I've updated that, I think, in, in okay. 2018, so it might just be time to, to do a, a 2020 or 2021 version. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, the thing is, yeah, Octoprint basically still more or less works the same, but Octopi changes a bit here mm. and there because we have to. Uh, Octopi depends on what the Raspbian uh, Foundation, uh, the Raspberry Pi Foundation puts out with regards to the base image. And so when they change stuff in their Wi-Fi driver and all that, we had to change how the Wi-Fi is set up, mm. for example. And that means you now have to edit another file. And we put the old file on there, which tells you, do not edit this file, edit the other file. But still, sometimes, you know... Yeah. Mm. People are just. But people. this is something where you would, where you would actually say, if you would have enough funding, you could either source work like that out, or or have somebody really dedicated to do that who has maybe a different view on the on well on the project or on possibly. What's I've never been in the position that I've been able to even consider hiring someone because yeah, the funding is definitely not there for that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I could hire documentation writers, I could hire graphic designers, I could hire uh, uh, yeah, um, dialogue uh, UI uh, mm. people and all that. So yeah, of course, I mean, if there was bigger funding, I could mm. do a whole bunch of stuff. I could also gasp, hire more developers so I don't have to do everything on my own and actually can outsource maintenance to someone else maybe and mm. concentrate more on adding new features, which right now is a bit of a problem because, yeah. It, but Go ahead. Sorry, Tom. Okay. No, go ahead. Um, <laughs> the, the, I, I, think, I think that level of, hey, this is a project that works 
with me as a one-man show breaking out of that and actually woman so, sorry sorry everyone <laughs> always assumes you're, you're a man right <laughs> yeah i know this is why i was just very very uh, <laughs> yeah prompted to correct you there because i'm not surprised. yeah uh, maybe, maybe we can we can quickly jump on that uh yeah stefan has a correct in the notes as well but um so that, that that point of of jumping from a from a one person show onto now being a team of people um I find that is that is very different uh, different difficult um I'm at that point too i've I've hired my mom part time to do accounting and and you know the administrative stuff that I don't have to do myself but um with with stuff like community funding patreon right um, I feel that there's an impression that oh this person is getting x amount and that's got to be enough right there's there's no need to contribute mm -hmm. to that person anymore that's a good living that they're getting um, or oh yeah they're making enough cash from other sources now that I don't have to con so it you, you're kind of walking against the wall then you're gonna have to find alternative ways of not just funding well yeah funding what you what you do essentially um, on YouTube, yes, sponsorships are that exactly the way we can move past um, past that barrier, or just you know getting the channel more popular, getting more views. That also brings in more funding. But how do you do that for for an open source project? I'll tell you if I find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this was because well, I I don't know I don't have a, a, an answer here I fear because what I've seen the most open source projects once once they hit the wall they either get bought up by a company by the people the people or the person doing it getting hired to work on this stuff full time which is funnily enough how I started doing this full time and then I went so basically I went the other way. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and uh, the other way around is they, they join some of the huge open source foundations and get funding through that and maybe get more um, and then better um, access also to development resources and other kinds of resources like that. Uh, this is also actually something that I, yeah, at one time want to look into just not not necessarily to do it, but just to figure out how this works and 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 if this is an, is an option for Octoprint or not. Because, yeah, I've 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 uh, had at least the people from when I gave this talk at uh, the KDE conference, the virtual KDE conference earlier this year. Uh, some people in the audience asked, like, uh, yeah, have you thought about joining the KDE Foundation? And I was like. I didn't even know this was an option and I have no idea what that would mean and I don't know if they even want me so I have I don't know yeah <laughs> I can't uh, background information for those for those viewers or listeners not familiar with how the Linux desktop environment works KD is basically what you see on your screen the desktop environment um, on one version of that there is also gnome and there's also xfc yes and yes yes it's <laughs> it is one type of desktop environment that you could use on top of GNU Linux um, and yeah, they're not the most popular one, I guess, with Ubuntu using, well, I guess it's it's their own shell now, right? It's not. Yeah, they are using, I think, Cinnamon, is it it's called? No, Unit, Unit I have no idea yeah. how it's called. I yeah, I haven't used Linux on a on a desktop for a while now. I gotta admit, so I'm a bit uh, on behind on current right. development. Yeah, but, but that's that's an interesting um, corner of the the open source uh, world, you know that 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 you would fit in with a with a desktop environment um and octoprint like they i 
what's what's the common point there how would a would the kde foundation fit in with with octoprint uh, as far as I understand, KDE is actually not only doing the desktop environment anymore. So uh, the the whole foundation is apparently also helming, or, or yeah, or rather umbrellaing. Is this a verb? Can I use this as a verb? What you mean? Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> we, we make up words all the time. <laughs> which aren't necessarily desktop focused. So it's more like, yeah, Linux focused or maybe just it's open source so why not i mean take a look maybe also at the apache foundation they originally were as far as i understand the people who made the apache web server and they do uh yeah play or they 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 are a wrapper for a whole bunch of open source software from databases to uh, 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 machine learning stuff to logging frameworks to whatnot so um yeah I guess stuff just evolves and it might be something like that. I have no idea. As I said, I have not really looked into that, so I don't know if I would even fit. So I can't possibly say, uh, tell you at the moment um, how that would work because yeah, no, no chance yet to research. Well, maybe another question concerning or regarding funding. One of the things that I always ask myself is why we don't find Octoprint as a really nice online, well, online tool to access my 3D printer, not directly integrated on more 3D printers, like right off, out of the box. Um, is this something you are not interested in or you don't think Octoprint is, is really suitable for, or is this just something where companies didn't approach you? Because on many professional 3D printers, you all, you often see a Repetier host with, um, I don't know, some, some uh, custom UI over it. Would, would there be a place for Octoprint also on professional 3D printers or, and even on, uh, like, yeah, more more maker more more cheaper 3d printer at the moment since main boards are getting more and more powerful uh main boards are yeah might have the the capability to also run octoprint directly on it in the future is is this something where you could see octoprint or is this something you don't really want to get into uh that's absolutely something that i want to get into the problem is that so far apart from yeah actually apart from Biku. Uh, so a big tree tech, the yeah. B-I-Q-O, not, the not the old okay. one, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, not the old one, not the other one, not the Spanish one, but the Chinese one. Um, uh, apart from them, who are now uh, pushing their new Kickstarter printer with uh, full integration and all that, uh, which I'm actually hoping to get uh, my own look at some at some point. Um, uh, I ha- haven't, yet, haven't yet had a lot of, yeah interested uh, 3d vendors so uh i don't know if you remember when the prusa mark 3 launched Mm -hmm. and uh with this big announcement yeah we can mount a raspberry pi zero w on the Mm -hmm. einzi board and run octoprint off of that yeah i learned about that from the press release (laughs) (laughs) and I had not learned about that from the press release i would also have told them that it is a really really bad idea to make place for the Raspberry Pi Zero W because it's really, really seriously underpowered. And Mm -hmm. as soon as you make any kind of traffic on the Wi-Fi NIC, the whole Wi-Fi driver eats 
CPU cycles for breakfast, so there is not much left to actually run a print job, which mm. is why ever since I've always, ever since I found this issue with the uh, with the zero, I've always been like, do not use it for Octoprint. And ever since the Max re-released, I always get these support issues on the on the forums now. Like, yeah, but Prusa says it works. Like, yeah, but they did not write it. I did, and I tell you, it doesn't work. And if they had asked me, I would have told yeah. them. That's okay. a bad idea. So, yeah, I have no idea why not more, uh, why 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 printer companies in general are not more, yeah, trying to to yeah bundle Octoprint. I mm. certainly am not against that. The only thing that I would in that in the, such a case obviously hope for is to also get some kind of sponsoring from that company because mm. if they bundle my product and rely on this product to continue working, maybe they should make sure it gets developed. But mm. right, I mean, you, you, um, you can't force that, right? You, you... No, I'm not. I, I'm also yeah. not saying that I want to force that. And mm. I have an open source license, exactly. and uh, this also includes that they may use it commercially, and I'm standing behind that. Yeah. The only thing is, there is a legal component. There is there is a moral component, mm, and yeah. there is also a business logical component. I can. I should. Oh, at least I personally, I myself, I would not want to build my business or e even a product of my business up on something that I cannot at least make sure that it continues to work or at least that I try to keep working for the foreseeable mm. future. Because that's just, for me, that is an illogical thing to do. Might, might be good mm. for business. I mean, planned obsolescence and all that is a, you know, yeah, okay. <laughs> fantastic driver for new purchases. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know that uh, One Click Metal actually have a um, an interface on the machine that is based on Octoprint and supposedly are also working uh, yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah. Um, so that that is the sort of interface that does not look like Octoprint anymore. I've, I, I've not seen the very most recent one, but it runs Octoprint in the background, and they've they've worked with you. And, and how how did that work out? Let Let's just say we are in contact, okay. and I hope that something will actually. In the end, also come out of that financially, but right. so far it hasn't. Right. Startups, okay. but I, that's understandable because they are still ramping ramping up and all that. So mm. this is something that we agreed on. Uh, yeah. So, so that's not like they did not know. That's just mm. yeah. yeah. Okay. I actually hope everything is fine with the guys. I haven't heard from them in a while. Uh, <laughs> Maybe not, you. Not you, you could have seen them at Forum Next if it would. Yeah, have that's that was why that was also one of the reasons why I was there uh, last year and the year before that, in yeah. order to talk some talk over some stuff with them. Yeah. So. so well, I I think you well you see more and more Wi-Fi and network integration on on three D printers over the last I don't know one or two years. All of them, most of them, are horrible. And this was actually one of the reasons why I was hoping to see Octoprint being integrated in there more and more. Uh, there is the Creality Wi-Fi box currently being developed and handed out to a bunch of testers. Um, yeah, I have one here as well somewhere. <laughs> but um, I, I was hoping for a really nice integration, um, even though I was scared that it would could uh, potentially potentially take um, well people that 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 use that box from from Octoprint, uh, but I'm well. I have tried it out for I don't know a couple of hours. It 
wasn't really working that properly. I'm not really happy with it. So um, this is really something where I don't know why companies try to develop their own stuff. Well, I kind of see the, the reason behind that. And why not contribute to a project like Octoprint, help you grow, help you make uh, the software even better than it is uh, at the moment, and then kind of uh, integrate it in their products and making making them all also more, more user-friendly and uh, adding features. Yep. Um, my current guess is that it's a, yeah, a problem of not having control in that case, you know, mm -hmm. because they are using some, I mean, yeah, they might actually already be using something in the background and not really share about that. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not, pull, uh, I'm not pointing any fingers here. I can, can just imagine that maybe mm -hmm. considering how many Octoprint screens I saw here and there at Forum Next, there are companies actually using it without mm -hmm. me knowing about it. And um, yeah, but yeah, they do not control it, obviously. And mm -hmm. I can also vouch here and now that uh, there will never be one single company that controls Octoprint unless I'm the boss of that company because uh, <laughs> the goal here is to build something that you can use with, uh, yeah, with, I cannot say every printer because if the printer has yeah. a proprietary interface, right? But the goal is to make it usable with as many printers out there as possible, regardless of uh, who sold mm. you that printer and who manufactured that printer. Mm. And uh, yeah, I do not want to yield that control to one company that then might lock it down in some way. Mm. Yeah, control is probably a good point because also on like more professional 3D printers that other companies, well, well, that other companies sell at, at a price which is not for a maker, they also usually bundle Simplify 3D mm. with it because they can control or they yeah, they can kind of control Simplify 3D more because it doesn't get any updates anymore <laughs> in comparison to bundling it with Cura or Prusa Slicer or something like that because um, also because they don't have control. They don't have control if things change, if features change and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, C could be actually one of the reasons. But I don't know if there could be could be possibilities to have a specific, I don't know, stable branch that doesn't get updated as, as as often or something like that. I don't know how that usually works. I mean, in principle, they could always just fork it and mm. then uh, pull in whatever they want from the new developments and leave out everything mm. else. That would definitely be less work than developing their own. Mm. But I don't know. A lot of, the, yeah, my, my, my impression is just they do not want to do that for some reason. Uh, I also have the plug-in interface, so if they want their custom UI and if they want to lock down certain stuff or extend certain stuff, they can do that with their own development without mm. having to fear that with the next Octoprint update it will vanish. Uh, but still, the only yeah, the only two companies uh, that I know of who actually made use of that are uh, um, uh, Mr. Beam with yep. the laser cutter. Yeah, and uh, and also leapfrog for a while with one of their units, but mm. uh, yeah, I don't know why uh, so many yeah 3D printer windows or rather tinker or, or cobble together their own instead of using established stuff. Also, yeah. they would also immediately profit from all the interoperability. I mean, 
the uh, Cura has the plugin that allows you to push immediately to an Octoprint instance on your network. Prusa has the same thing, um, uh, Prusa Slicer. Uh, you can use a ton of uh, third-party clients now for, for, for displays and also for your phone and all that, all utilizing the Octoprint API. So actually there is a bit of an... Yeah, of 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 motivation to use it, this stuff. It might uh, just be but... that you know having Octoprint something that everyone can use is not a unique selling point. That it's not like oh we've got this cool new Wi-Fi box that you can now buy from us. Um, I think that <laughs> just sells better than oh we've created a Raspberry Pi and plugged an SD card with a ras uh, with um, Octopi into it. Um, it. Might just be a good. I mean, in the case of Creality, one could also say. If they control the thing that communicates with their firmware, it isn't so bad that their firmware constantly has weird issues in the protocol. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, on, the, on the topic of, of issues yeah. and uh, manufacturers possibly forking Octoprint, like um, I know you're running Home Assistant um, for your own smart home and for your internet connected devices, which I think for you are not that internet connected, but. Um, do, nope. do, do, do you see that that issue of people just getting um, getting Raspberry Pis, throwing uh, um, an Octopi Octopi build on there, and then just neglecting it and creating that that well known Internet of Shit phenomenon where there's dozens of devices that are unsecured or port forwarded um, onto the the internet? I mean, we've, we've seen that. Oh God, port forwarding. <laughs> um, is is that something that you're concerned with, with uh, more and more people using Octoprint? I mean, I'm not really worried about it as long as they're only using it on their own network, because usually your average run-of-the-mill J-random user with a 3D printer does not run Octoprint in a corporate environment or in an environment or in a, in a, in a network where there are a lot of people they don't know connecting to it and looking for vulnerabilities right but the things change significantly when they hear on some youtube channel video or on some how-to tutorial thing or something hey and you can easily access it from anywhere just by configuring your router to forward to port 80 and no one but you will be able to access it and no this is wrong the second that you put an ip on the internet, it will be scanned. Yeah. All the ports will be scanned. They will happily be locked, the services that run on that. And it is searchable via stuff like Shodan IO. And I know that because I also occasionally take a look at stuff there. Um, and it's really, really worrying how many people do uh, expose their Octoprint instance on the public internet. And as you just mentioned, uh, Home Assistant, my Home Assistant is not available on the public okay. internet. Because in my op opinion, a physical device which runs in my home and uh, might also have access to heaters or light or whatnot, like really physical manifestations that simply does not belong on the internet. No matter how good, how well secured it is. I mean, personally, I know I do my best with Octoprint to make the access control as as yeah as tight as it can be. But still, I'm a human. I can make errors. I use third-party libraries. They are done by humans. They can produce errors. So I would not want to entrust the yeah the 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 
the the health of my of my printer and by extension of everything around it because again heaters to code that is supposed to keep the bad guys out that have nothing better to do than trying to get in plus i mean so, you're assuming that people are actually using the password feature um <laughs> yeah that is also one of the problems that i cannot wrap my head around <laughs> like it tells you when when you ask when you are asked to please create a password it tells you to please create a password if you plan to do it on put it on anything but a yeah. network that you trust in even like I think it even says in parentheses like, like the public internet, and then at the end of the wizard it again tells you and please do not connect it to the internet and also do not leave it unattended because bad idea and all that and then I still get people that post something about my octoprint instance was hacked hey, he yeah did you expose it on the net yes I did here's, a, here's an idea Why? Um, you, it's technically possible to detect that right um... I'm actually already doing it that I detect when an octoprint instance is, is accessed from an IP that is not one of the regular local network ones and in that case you get a really annoying message popped up right. on the UI even if you have access control enabled so you get this regardless of whether you have it enabled or not um, because yeah it, it just basically tells you again here you wouldn't put your fridge on the net maybe you should also not put your printer on the net oh, people do put their fridges on, on the net but <laughs> yeah but that's a bad idea <laughs> it is yeah uh, yeah so yeah, the only thing that I cannot do is basically deny port forwards because first of all, I cannot reliably detect that enough to be able to shut it off. And then again, this is also, yeah, that is a point where I would say Octoprint is, would interfere too much with stuff. Yeah. It could be a port forward that is additionally locked down with a VPN or something. So, yeah. yeah. Um, for example, from, from MSI Afterburner, I know there's a, or used to be, I don't know if it's still in there, if you wanted to um, access the advanced voltage controls for overclocking a graphics card, you would have to add a line to a config file that you found in a um, Windows hidden away folder. And that was like, I know what I'm doing or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so obviously all the I'm laughing because if you want to run if you want to run Octoprint as the root user, so the super user which has all the rights and can control the whole system under Linux, then you have to supply it with the command line option. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so I don't know. The the the, the question that, that that I'm getting to basically is how much and I know this is quite a quite a jump, how much time do you think is worth spending on um, trying to keep the user from hurting themselves versus actually trying to keep the, the software from moving forward and, and adding new features? Because honestly, it kind of feels like Octoprint has been good for a while and it's done everything I needed for, I don't know, the last three or four years. And it's, I as a user, as an occasional user, I got to say, um, it's not feeling like there's there's really that much being pushed into the software and it's not moving at at the rapid paces that it once did. Uh how are you how are you balancing those two interests? It's it's a tough one I have to say because this is exactly the question that I have to ask myself a whole lot when I go through the forums and all that. Uh how much time how much of my time, of my limited time, should I use to keep users from shooting themselves into the foot versus um, adding stuff for everyone? And yeah, 
I don't have a general answer for you here because it's something that I more or less rely on my gut for. If it's something like uh, like this whole port forwarding situation, I look at it from the point of view that Octoprint is not a network security appliance. It's a server that you run on your network. Uh, it will warn you if you are trying to access it from remote because that's a bad idea, but it will still allow you to use it in that scenario. Um, and if you are conscious, making the conscious decision to ignore every single piece of warning that I throw at you during this, during the setup and then during use, then sorry, but then you are out of luck. Then my, my hands are clean. <laughs> I'm not responsible for anything that happens to your printer anymore. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that is one thing. Then there, of course, always is the question, I have this huge plugin ecosystem that can interact with Octoprint. And a lot of the time that I now spend uh, on Octoprint is actually spent on trying to make the hooks inside Octoprint more error resilient so that some plugin that you install from somewhere cannot nuke your whole instance. Um, that is stuff that you usually do not see as an end user but which allows, yeah, plug-in developers to, yeah, or rather, which allows less experienced plug-in developers still to contribute stuff because uh, they cannot, they, they will learn, hopefully will learn uh, to interact with the platform in a way that doesn't cause issues by getting hints from the platform itself. And here is a bad idea right. because, um, but yeah, it's tricky. Um, so you're basically you're basically working on on turning Octoprint into a 3D printer operating system more or less. Where at this point, yes, yeah. because uh, the thing is, what I noticed quite early on, even before this became a full time job, is I cannot develop every single feature that people might want. I mean, maybe I can develop it, but I cannot then maintain all all of this along the years yeah. uh, over the years as well. It that sh starts at the sheer volume of stuff, and uh, of course, there's also the problem that usually, if there's something hardware specific, I don't necessarily even have the hardware at question that the, the whatever someone wants wants to interact with. Which is why back in 2015, I built in this whole plug-in interface so that people can just maintain whatever they want themselves and provide it to the community themselves and keep it up to date and everything. And I don't have to take care of that. But with that came the whole challenge of making the platform stable, making it uh, error resilient, making it, uh, yeah, also putting in stuff that allows me to work around plug-in issues should they arise. Um, also situations like now where we have this migration from Python 2 to Python 3 and some plugins turn out to be abandoned. Now I, I, I suddenly found myself in the situation that I had to tell people, hey, you're running an old version of the plugin. Someone else has forked it and is now maintaining it, but your version yeah. of the plugin cannot update itself. So you have to reinstall it from there, please, and stuff like this. So this is all stuff that came with this decision to go for a plugin system. And I still do not regret the decision because I think it is one of the one of the, if not the, the power features of Octoprint to be able to extend it. Yeah. But from a maintainer point of view, damn, did it make things complicated? Yeah, you have you don't just have to account for your own errors; you have to account for everyone else's errors as well. Yes, mm. and you also have to make sure that while you account for everyone er everyone else's errors, and also while you make while you maybe, yeah 
smash some bugs in your own code, you have to make sure that the whole interface while you're doing it stays stable because otherwise you will break an ecosystem. So I cannot just correct a typo in an API uh, method or something, for example. Yeah. <laughs> just mark it as, as deprecated uh, and, and differentiated and, and it's like, yeah. Yep. Don't use yep. this anymore. Use it. I mean, we usually get the, or I think I've registered for for YouTube API key at some point, and you usually get the emails. Oh, by the way, we're shutting down this this version two API in three months. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's uh, about the only thing I can do as well. So yeah, yeah. basically. So with with, with with all this maintenance, do you, do you actually still get to three D printing stuff for Rarely. yourself for fun? Rarely, rarely. Uh, when I do, it's usually either on a weekend or during oh. vacation. Uh, when it's actually stuff I should add that is not just a test cube or something, mm. because I, I, yeah, sometimes I, I change things in the communication layer and I have to make sure that it still works with a real printer after I have checked it against the virtual printer. But yeah, I always find this a bit funny when I think about it. So, I mean, I got, an, I got a 3D printer in late 2012. Then I wrote Octoprint to be able to use it better. And then Octoprint took over my life. And now I don't even get to use my 3D printers anymore that much because yeah. of that. And it's kind of hilarious, actually, if you think about it. I also wrote Octoprint yeah. to be able to put my 3D printer in the spare bathroom. And now I have three 3D printers next to me in my office. So yeah. something somehow went wrong there. But I in think a right it's way. kind of the the same thing for for us as well, or at least for me. That oh no, I I totally since, print for fun all the time. Absolutely, I can't since, you hear all the printers coming. Yeah, since the point where three D printing kind of became your job, um, you don't have the time anymore to to use it for hobby things, for doing bigger projects with it, because I don't know, or you just don't. You just don't. You just want to do something else than work yeah. with 3D printers. <laughs> that that's more the case for me, I think, because I I also noticed that I do not ever since I started working from home from my own office here, I noticed that my video gaming time on the uh, on 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 the PC has gone down significantly because after I've spent like eight hours in this office working. The last thing I want to do is spend another three or four hours going through my Steam library. So these days <laughs> it's more like the PS4 or the Switch or something on the couch, which is a bit sad because I have so many good games here. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. Friends of mine also also tell me that uh, if they're working all day in the office, they don't have any, well, they don't want to game at the PC anymore. I don't know. I kind of... I, I still enjoy gaming around here and I actually took off I think Friday last week and finally played through Mafia Definitive Edition or how, how it's called. It, it was it was great and it was just okay, today and tomorrow I'm not going to work. <laughs> I'm just enjoying that and I think this is also something which kind of goes in hand with the 3D printing question. You kind of, if you have something uh, on your mind don't try to do it well at the end of the day where you have already spent eight or ten hours working on 3d printing problems uh just use your 3d printer at the weekend or, or in your holiday where you have i think a more open mind for yeah. projects like that and 
you can finally start enjoying it again and it's not this thing that just pays the bills yeah mm. though i mean in my case it's not necessarily the 3d printing itself that pays yeah. the bills but still it's like no i just want to leave this room and yeah. do something else and not spend more time in this room <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. but, but, you know, I mean, you, you're really good with, uh, work life balance and actually running your self-employment more as a, I don't know, a, a managed job, essentially. Um, I'm, I'm really struggling with that. Stefan has obviously some experience with, uh, you know, having a ton of projects going on at the same time, you know, regular job, kid, family, and YouTube, uh, for those listening that that are, that are looking into something similar or doing something self-employed what what have been your your breakthrough moments in, in realizing hey i i gotta you know manage this Whew, uh i think the yeah the, the breakthrough moment per se doesn't exist but it was more like uh, a sneaking suspicion that i had to create really really hard boundaries uh, in order to be able to actually switch off at the end of the day because i noticed if i kept just if i did not have um fixed business or not not fixed but like regular business hours uh that were when i worked and anything outside of these business hours where I don't work, then I, my, my head was still constantly trying to fix a bug or something like that or mulling over a ticket and, and trying to figure out stuff. And this still happens. So this is not like this is a complete switch off, but it's it's less invasive now mm. to, to being able to actually shut off. And uh, I noticed that if I'm not able to shut off, then, uh, yeah, it it really happens very very fast that i uh, get back close to the first signs of a burnout and yeah i have experienced or i have come close to an actual burnout in my uh, in my career once and i do not want to have this experience again um it's not only yeah a really really draining and depressing thing but also it yeah it is a scary thought that you start hating what you actually love the most i mean i love developing i love writing code i've been doing this since i was seven years old so it's a part of me and not being able to do that anymore because my whole brain is just like can't compute do not want to go away and uh, me really feeling bad every time i have to do it is not a feeling that i want in my life so in order to prevent this from happening i think that I owe it to myself and i also owe it to every single supporter of octoprint and every single user of octoprint to be able to keep doing this with a smile on my, my face or at least most of the time <laughs> of course there are days where the smile is more like a frown um or a very very angry look um but yeah in order to do that i need to find a or i needed to find a way that is sustainable and the way that it is sustainable for me is to actually have regular office hours um to have a very yeah strict day timetable thing kind of yeah. actually i mean there are some days i i still take advantage of working from home for example when i need to make an de a dentist appointment or when i need to have the tires on my car changed or something like that because it's very easier to get an appointment during the regular work hours of yeah. everyone else than uh, <laughs> doing that uh, in the off times as well but 
still most of my days are very structured in a way that I have a, have have like I, I try to start around nine nine thirty and I try to drop my hammer around uh, five five thirty, and um, there are days where I don't do that. There are days where I start later or earlier. There are days where I end later or earlier. There are also days where I definitely go past the ten hour mark of work. But there are also days where I'm really not be not able to focus or something and then instead of building bugs into the code i rather say okay today is not a good day now I, I i rather do in that case i either do accounting or i just say okay youtube it is <laughs> right <laughs> and yeah it, it, at first when you when you when you start thinking about hey i'm i'm not as productive as i want to be or i'm not feeling this as much as i wanted um the, it, it, it seems counterintuitive that you have to actually force yourself to stop working or to take time off or to, to, to mm -hmm. limit your exposure to work to actually be more productive then. It's something that, yeah. I, that I've not figured out yet um, <laughs> that I'm really struggling with. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, you probably should be looking into earlier than, you know, rather should be looking into it earlier than too late. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Burnout ain't fun. Uh, what really drove this home for me was back in, I think that was early 2018, or was it even 2019? I'm not entirely sure yet if it's two or one years ago. Anyhow, um, I noticed that I was getting sick way more often than I used to. And uh, after thinking about it a bit here and there and realizing, well, I'm, I'm not going... I'm not traveling with public transport every day, so I cannot catch it there, whatever I'm catching here. I'm not going grocery shopping that often, so it's not from there. So whatever's happening here means my immune system is shot. Um, so why is this? And yeah, just, yeah, the, uh, um, a, a gut feeling told me maybe it's the stress. So mm -hmm. what I decided back then was just as a test balloon to reduce my daily hours from eight to seven for a month see how i felt see how this impacted my productivity um just see how it handled how it felt what it did and what i realized was i reduced the the numbers uh, the, the hours that i worked each day and my productivity increased and uh, the level of sickness or the, the level of health issues that i experienced also dialed back which was with the point where i realized Okay, I'm staying at this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to keep doing that because apparently it's a good idea to do that. Um, mm. No one, I mean, in our heads uh, we have this, or at least yeah, us Germans maybe have this uh, idea that we have to work eight hours a day at a minimum and forty hours a week because everyone does it, and we have to do that between this and this hour of the day because everyone does it, but. Yeah, if you figure out or if you realize, hey, uh, if I work one hour less per day and I also maybe shift my working hours a bit later because I tend to sleep longer when I don't get woken up by an alarm bell and I feel better then uh, compared to when I get woken up by an alarm bell, then do that if you have the possibility. Mm. And maybe if you do not need boundaries, like you don't need fixed regular working hours and off hours, if this works for you, this is also fine. The, the thing is, I think that you just have to, you have to experiment, you have to try it, you have to figure it out for yourself because everyone is different, everyone works differently, everyone's creativity and productivity is influenced differently by 
a multitude of factors in their life. And for me, this is what I would currently say works best. Um, that doesn't mean it works for anyone else. Mm. No, I really envy you for that. Um, for me, it's totally unregulated with normal work and just working from home and working at nights when the wife and the baby is sleeping and stuff like that. And I also noticed that this drains me from time to time, but I kind of always have this voice in my head that it, that's telling me, okay, if you're not working now, you will not fail, but maybe not succeed as well or something like that. Um, and this is damaging from time to time. And just as you said, I, I also from time to time feel that I'm not as healthy as I actually should be. Mm. And it's hard, but it's still hard for me to, to really take the time off. But when I do that, it helps. Yeah. I don't know. It's just yeah. my, my brain yeah. is not letting me do that. Actually, often. That... Maybe it helps you to know that. Sorry, just sure, sure, a quick sure. one. Uh, uh, when I started doing this in a self-employment scenario, every single time that I got sick or that something kept me from working for more than two days straight. Uh, so I don't know, like a cold or something where I had to help some relatives or something like that, a vacation, things like that. I always felt bad and I always felt like I had to justify mm. that to my patrons. So I always, mm. I called in sick to work yeah, on yeah. Patreon. And uh, after a while of thinking about why I did this, I realized it was just because I had this feeling that I was letting people down mm. because I'm not on my desk working, but instead I'm feverish on the couch uh, trying to breathe through my nose. And uh, when I realized this, I realized that, you know, most of these people are probably, yeah, are probably supporting me, not so that I can output as fast as possible with, mm. uh, without, uh, while completely ignoring anything that goes on in my life and my own health and all that. But instead, they are supporting me because they like what I do and they want to see me keep doing that. So from that perspective, I need to make sure that I can keep doing that, mm. which, is, which means I need to take care of myself first and foremost. So this whole, I have a very strong focus these days on self-care. Um, also after, let's say, a not so fun breakup, <laughs> which also taught me some things about that. And uh, it's really driven uh, home some points for myself. And it, I also notice a, a huge positive impact on, yeah, on my general feeling and, and, and personal health, both mental and physical. So, um but it is work and it is not something that happens from day to day. It's something that you really have to, you have to try to figure out why you keep having thoughts like that and try to find the source of them and then see what you can do about that and not force yourself to do anything because that just will backfire. Yeah. That, that hamster wheel feeling, uh, I, I think is, is yeah. really, is something that, that self-employed folks probably experience a lot more than you know people who have regular working hours um for me i hated university because i always had that feeling of oh you should be studying um if you're not studying right now you are messing up you're losing out you could be doing better than you are um don't do that thing you actually enjoy because you should be studying right now that that was i hated that then i got a regular job 
didn't last too long. I mean, BQ and all, but <laughs> I, I, I had a, a regular nine to five job for about a year. And that was actually pretty relaxing. Like you, you went to work in the morning, you know, if you got up early, you got out at four. Um, and you know, you go home and you just don't give a flying pig about what's happened at work or what's going to happen the next day. It's just like, okay, I'm home now. Everything's over. I'll go back tomorrow. At least, at least I was able to. It, it's when you work in a corporation, you know, big corporate, and you 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 see you don't have control over things anyways. It's like, pff, why am I even trying? Like, I'm, I'm going to do my job the best I can, but I'm not going to care about it. Uh, that's 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 the feeling I had, and I and I went home and it was fine. But you know, the the self employment thing. It's all coming back that that entire management thing or, or time management thing is something you have to do yourself at that point again. Yeah. I envy you for that experience because I've always been a workaholic. I never could just go home and like that. It didn't work. So even even when I was still a corporate drone, it was always feeling responsibility for all of that stuff and taking it home. And I, that is also why I, I had to really early start learning how to switch off, right. how to keep work at work because of this, because I've always also during university and all that, I was always just work, 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 work. And uh, I would call myself a recovering alco uh, alcoholic, <laughs> right? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Which is... Which most people yeah. do not know that. I mean, I think you do, uh, you two do, but I do not drink alcohol. So this is especially funny High right five. now. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, especially uh, a recovering workaholic. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I've been in the workforce now since 2007. So the past 13 years. So it took me about 13 years to get to this point mentally. <laughs> Just to put some perspective, maybe yeah, on that. Some some good experience under your belt. Sure. <sighs> now. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I guess anything else we've missed. Um, I guess I guess thank you for for making the time in your uh, calendar for us. Welcome. And it was fun for taking the hour and for leaving us with some good life lessons here. Um, yeah, Stefan, thanks for thanks for being here as well. Um, obviously, no. do you know where, where can people find you, support your work? Um, what what's the what's the one thing you wish people would do more of to to make your life easier or to support your work? There's only one I'm allowed to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, so first of all, anything that you want to ever, uh, yeah, every every piece of information about Octoprint that uh, that there is basically, and every link that is important here is octoprint.org because there the documentation is linked, the plugin repository is linked, the support page is linked, which you can also find at support.octoprint.org, and there you can find ways to support me financially, uh, various ways, by the way, not just Patreon. Uh, I've expanded a bit, and. Um, yeah, the one thing that I wish more people did to make my life easier, I guess that would be to read what is already there and, you know, like use the search function of the forums. But I would also um, expand this a bit to a second thing, maybe, because um, you at, 
at the very start, we talked about uh, how it is to have so many people testing your software and all that, uh, you remember. And um, the thing is, Octoprint actually does have a, have a release candidate system. And um, before I push out a stable release of Octoprint to everyone out there, it's gone through several cycles of, uh, of release candidates with people who have opted into helping to test the release candidates. And every time that I push out a stable release and I find some bug that someone um, yeah, reports like, what feels like two minutes after I pushed out the release, I know that, okay, apparently this person has some printer combination, some workflow, something like that, that is not yet covered by the people running the release tests, uh, the release candidates. So yeah, the more people who run these candidates, the better, which is why I just want to take the opportunity here and tell people again, you can help test release candidates of Octoprint. Um, all the info about that is on the forum. Uh, I also mentioned it in every single blog post on release candidates, uh, which automatically get pushed to your Octoprint instance. And it really, really helps to make uh, each and every release a stable release or as, as stable as possible release. Because obviously I cannot test every printer firmware workflow combination under the sun. Uh, so the more people from the community chip in here and do their part and just run a test version and tell me if it's working or not, the better. Perfect. All right, so all that is obviously going to be linked in the show notes below and on YouTube, obviously, in the video description. Um, thank you both for taking the time. Take care. People, be nice to each other. And Stefan, I'll see you in two weeks. Gina, thanks for being here. Bye. Thank you, Gina. Bye. Bye.